Club Cosmos Radio. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I am okay. It's a mixed bag, yeah. I'll say. A very mixed bag. Um, very excited for our Q&A episode, first and foremost. I know. It's really been such a treat. Yeah. And um, we'll get into that more in a little bit. But um, it's ah, raining. It's raining. We love like finally a, a moody weather that I can work with. <laughs> but this last weekend, you know, I've just been feeling like shit lately mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just for lots of existential reasons. But Venus went into Libra last mm-hmm. week. And that's where she loves to be. Yeah. And I was praying, screaming, crying, throwing up, waiting for just something like positive (laughs) um, to just occur. (laughs) Yeah. And I got the sweetest weekend. It's truly like there comes a time in a woman's life where it's just like, uh, do I need to just leave my life behind? Um, Take the road, assume a new identity, <laughs> um, and go like Lana Del Rey, like Waffle House waitress somewhere <laughs> and begin anew? Or do I just need to go to an all expense paid friends and family opening of a Palm Springs hotel with bags and bags and bags of premium skincare swag <laughs> with a dance floor DJed by my friend uh, that had a loose a very loose, no collar, but very well-behaved German <laughs> Shepherd roaming around. Oh wow! It was just—I mean, it's it, Venus Libra is my third house, which rules short distance travel. Mm. And this was—it rekindled my love for Palm Springs. Um, I have a lot of history with Palm Springs. I used to work at this huge, or like, and put on this huge event at the Ace Hotel there for many years. And the Palm Springs vibe is generally a little like margarita mix for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been. Oh, well, I mean, we should go. I mean, at this point, I know all the hot spots, <laughs> but it was just sort of like, okay, uh, you know, I'm more Joshua Tree these days. You know, I've come in, I've come into my yurt self rather than my poolside self. But honestly, <laughs> poolside self needs to come back. <laughs> It's just like that moment of just like, do I need to dramatically cut my bangs and like wander the streets or do I just need to spend an hour or two by the pool with my friend updating her hinge profile? (laughs) So that was just so, so needed. So, oh, thank you. Thank you, Venus, for (laughs) Venus in the third is great. I know. And the skincare is so good. <laughs> it was just like, there was just like OC products everywhere, do products everywhere. It's like, oh, would you like some vacation sunscreen? And I've never been, I've, my, my, I, I've pared down my skincare routine a lot since the <laughs> pandemic, which used to be just like a truly Baroque, like Louis Couture's affair of just yeah. like, let's stretch out the bathing ritual as long as possible with as many serums and treatments as I can do. And also in true Libra fashion, now I'm I'm up to five steps again and, <laughs> and growing. <laughs> 
Yeah, that sounds lovely. Yeah, I need to moisturize my skin to moisturize my dry ass soul right now. I mean, yeah, that's why the rain feels so cathartic. It was so crinkle. Yeah. <laughs> yes, dry it was. For so long, the Santa Ana winds were oh, just... Oh, yeah, crisping it up. Making it hard to wake up and feel renewed. Filling the air with positive ions that make people go I insane. Know. <laughs> I know. It's a great Joan Didion essay about it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, Venus is in my fourth. It's been um, a lovely domestic cozying up. I'm like, the rain's here. Let's put a fire in the fireplace. <laughs> yeah, there's no <laughs> outside shoes are not needed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, we also didn't say about how this is our schedule is going to go down. Oh, yeah. This this Q&A episode, because so many people sent in such lovely questions, we have too many for one part. We're going to do two parts. But to keep the Sag mm-hmm. spirit alive and ready right at the start of Sag season, we're going to sandwich it with a Sag episode. We'll, you'll get your Q&A episode now, part one, and then part two will come out on December 8th right after our Sag mood board. Yeah, we need a little Sag. Desperately. <laughs> and yeah, my my sale, my annual uh, astrology reading sale. I don't always do it right on Black Friday, but... Deals, yeah. deals, deals. <laughs> <laughs> Look out for it. Your stars for less. <laughs> it's always lovely to... Start out your year, end your year with a whole look at the year ahead. But it's also a nice little gift yeah. for people. So if you are on my mailing list or you get on my mailing list or you are following me on Instagram, that's pretty much it. That's all I do. You will find out what to do for the sale. And if you don't follow her, just follow her. She Astro. says a lot of really smart, cool stuff. <laughs> At Astro underscore underscore taxi. <laughs> um, yeah, what's been happening in the news? We had such a pivotal news moment happen right after we recorded last Classic. week, of course. But that first day that Venus went into Libra was when the SAG strike finally ended. Classic. Beautiful timing. I know. Gorgeous timing. And of course, when the writer's strike ended, the WGA strike ended, was the first day that Mercury went into Virgo. (laughs) Yeah. Both these planets going into their home sign. It's textbook. Too good to be true. But yay. We're so, so happy for all of our actor friends. It's crazy now to just see like the rush of celebrity promotion that's (laughs) that's happening now. It's like one of those things where it's just like, okay, um, I don't know if I missed all of this so much, but here we go. (laughs) That's the Libra ramp up, the PR machine. Yeah. This last weekend, we had our spicy Scorpio new moon, Mm -hmm. which I guess it's like, It was more of an epilogue to the eclipse season than usual because of the Mars-Uranus opposition. It just added an extra destabilizing new moon. Yes, thank you. It had so much of the signatures of the eclipse season Mm -hmm. just baked into it. Um, But of course, 
on the eve of the new moon on November 12th with Mars and Scorpio opposing Uranus and Taurus, a fucking arsonist started a pallet fire under the 110 freeway and closed one of the biggest connective arteries of traffic in Los Angeles indefinitely. Yeah. 300,000 people <laughs> use this part of the freeway every single day and it is absolutely fucked. And as a coda, that very arsonist, maybe, or maybe just another arsonist, (laughs) which this astrology weather is so (laughs) arson vibes, was like, I was at uh, the studio today and there was, there were helicopters, there were fire trucks, and come to find out they were pursuing an arsonist that had set 12 fires today on a oh bike between Chinatown and it was they they were in hot pursuit of him on the LA River basin wow and i don't know if this is the arsonist but you know hopefully <laughs> how many arsonists at large are there at any given moment in time i must ask it's one of the biggest california weapons yeah true i true it's so it's one of the really spookier crimes and like mm-hmm. i don't know why this is like like when i learned this because i feel like this is just something that everybody knows at some point like that jewel lived in a van like that arson is a sexual crime wait what you know how everybody I mean, I understand. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know why I know that that's true or even if that's true, but I feel like the truism when someone is like arson. Oh yeah. It's a sexual crime. What? You haven't heard this? You're a therapist. <laughs> My mind is spinning. Um, um, did I throw you off with jewel living in a van? <laughs> no, I knew that. <laughs> everybody knows that, but how did we find out? Hmm? <laughs> Do you remember ever learning this information or did you just always know? It was part of her whole PR thing in the beginning. Okay, fair. But why? <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, <laughs> there are lots of... I'm also- trying to follow. <laughs> Don't. Wait. Just let it, let it go. Let it burn. <laughs> let it burn. Sexually. Um, but there was also, with this crazy-ass new moon, very Uranus-coded... <laughs> um, with Mars. With Mars. Uh, there was... Insane volcanic activity that caused evacuations in Iceland, basically the city mm. that whose name is I can't say mm-hmm. um, is getting swallowed by the earth. And then there was earlier in the week, there was deep sea seismic activity in Japan, which caused a whole new island to form. Wow. Crazy. Wow. Very volcanic energy. This is a tangent and I'm going to venture to guess that you are not watching the Netflix dinosaur series. I'm not. (laughs) Uh, For some reason, I started watching it. And there was a beautiful moment in it where they, you know, they're like going back in the timeline of the entire Earth. And they talk about how the first life that ever existed was like on the seafloor where all the like the vents is that what they're called? Yeah, like the vent, the the thermal vents. Oh no! Well, no, like the living creatures, the like. Uh, oh, the uh, the amoeba, <laughs> the um, the the like little the single cell, not the coral, but the things that live in the coral, the polyps. The <laughs> <laughs> everyone who actually knows science is I screaming know. at me, but you know, like little sea anemone things okay. that are like look like little tentacles in our neon colors and they're all over the seafloor. Mm. 
It's <laughs> <laughs> so not the point of my story. But anyway. Marine biologists weigh in. <laughs> but that was all, all that was living on Earth for a long time. And then suddenly one of them evolved with all of its tentacles to separate from the ocean floor and became jellyfish. And they were the first free agents of the entire earth. Wow. Free to roam. Oh they my got God. off the earth floor. And I was like, oh my God, Saturn and Pisces is so like, mm, now I'm <laughs> yeah. free. My little jelly self. From a paramecium to a jelly <laughs> or whatever they're called. I mean, more. we won't bring up every orca attack, but there have been six more oh as well. <laughs> <laughs> Too many to count. The orcas are back uh, with Saturn Direct, as we covered um, Wow, last week. And they're ag- they haven't made their demands yet. Um, <laughs> wow. But we'll see. Um, what else? I just wanted to have a little bit of a chaotic Gemini appreciation moment for <laughs> Ms. Northwest, the oh, 10-year-old God. daughter of <laughs> Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. Just because she's been in the news a little bit and there's three random delightful pieces of Northwest information and so it's time to talk about it. I mean, her chart echoes Kanye's in such a powerful way. Obviously, she looks so much like him. But her son, Ascendant, and Jupiter are all conjoined in Gemini, which is pew pew. <laughs> Kanye also has his son conjunct Jupiter in Gemini. Yeah. Um, and with, but she also has a 12th house Gemini Mars and Virgo Moon. So she's a mutable queen. She's going fast. Yes. And then she also has Neptune on her Pisces midheaven, which is like, okay, famous. Mm-hmm. Okay, fame. Yeah. Um, she's 10. Um, <laughs> she was on the cover of ID this month in a very cute and just very 10 year old, uh, interview. She said, they asked her, who's your style icon? And she says, me. What three words would you use to describe yourself? Um, the best ever. It's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's like, I want to own Yeezy and Scams. And it's just like, okay, okay. <laughs> but what really just got me is that, like, last week on the Kardashians, there's this scene with her and Kim where she is just eating a raw onion, um, <laughs> like an apple. Not even, I mean, at that point, it's like, it doesn't matter that the, pe- it's not peeled, but the peel, it was not peeled either. It was like, if you picked up an onion from Trader Joe's and started eating it and, you know, they're talking about Kim, like this whole like little package is about Kim doing some charity thing. And the producer asked her what she thought of what her mom does. And she says, what does she do? <laughs> then Kim did a GQ interview this week for as a side for their men of the year issue. Yeah, whatever. She's like, okay. But she said that North has a lemonade stand where she scams her mom's rich friends. <laughs> Kim said, if a random person stops, she will charge them only $2. If she knows you, she will fully scam you. I'll get calls from my friends saying she charged them $20 for a lemonade. She'll grab their 20 and say, I don't have any change. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just scamming is a Gemini pastime art Absolutely, form, yeah. especially their beloved, like, you know, you don't have to be like a full-time technical <laughs> scammer. Like you don't have to be like running a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. Gemini's love a prank and a scam. And, uh, they love, they love to do that to their dearest friends. <laughs> Tricksters <laughs> yeah. all the way. 
They are. I just, we love to see it. Gen Alpha, I don't, like, everything I know about them scares me. Um, Skibbity toilets, everything I know about what they like (laughs) and what they're into. Um, I think we cut this out of an earlier episode, but all the kids are obsessed with this thing called Skibbity Toilet, um, Mm -hmm. which Which is... I've watched a couple and I've been haunted ever since. It's very just dark, surreal um, CGI where this scary guy co- comes out of a toilet and he's also fighting a world of people in suits, which is just like Gen Alpha. They're the Pluto and Capricorn generation. So. It's very Eastern block. Yes, too. Yes. It's like, <laughs> it's really haunting. Yeah, it is. It's very cursed. Um, and they love it. Um So yeah, I just really wanted to put that in there. But as another Kardashian-related aside, I just want to flag this trend trend report. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been seeing a lot of junk food and soda in kind of higher fashion editorial situations Mm -hmm. lately. Like specifically in this last in those last two weeks on Kim's GQ cover, she's eating. Cheetos. Mm-hmm. And in the spread, she's got like a Diet Coke with a little straw in it. And Kylie, for her fucking bogus ass business of fashion cover where she's announcing her like fossil fuel plastics yeah. clothing line, she's drinking a Coke. And I just feel like, uh, you know, we know that the Kardashians love to do a uh, income play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they love to do a like middle class cosplay. Mm -hmm. But in general, I've been seeing this more broadly. And I just have to say that this is Jupiter and Taurus in action. (laughs) Junk food becoming chic, junk food becoming a fashion accessory. That's her. (laughs) Yeah. If you have not listened to our Jupiter and Taurus episode, I recommend it because we talk about all the foods that were invented during (laughs) Jupiter and Taurus eras. Velveeta, sliced bread, McDonald's, <laughs> like everything that is just peanuts. Yeah. No, not peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to say m <laughs> It's so funny because like, yes, Taurus, she is, she is, you know, an Ina Garten girl in many ways, mm-hmm. but at the same time, all earth signs, myself included, will just eat the most depressing convenience <laughs> food just to keep the it's fuel so going. It's so true. Earth signs is hilarious. John Stamos, who like, bleh, but um, <laughs> his memoir came out and it was revealed that he's a huge Disney adult. <laughs> and it had this whole thing where he was like accidentally banned because he had like a bikini girls party with too much champagne and it like ruined their hot tubs. It's like, with Disneyland's his- hot tub? <laughs> no, maybe it's Disney World. <laughs> oh. Disney World. Oh, God. Hotel. Interesting. But because he was filming like an updated Kokomo oh my music God. video with the Beach that Boys. That whole era of Full House where he <laughs> yeah. like joined the Beach Boys. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I just wanted to pose to you what you think is the most Disney adult sign. Because he's this Leo sun with a Pisces rising, both very strong contenders yes, in my yes, mind. Yes, yes. Fixed signs absolutely are... Mm. I, I, w- I would just put that there in terms of just like, if you're never going to let go of Minnie Mouse, holding on to like <laughs> the childhood magic in a way and yeah. just like making it a full... like I'm like scanning through the cardinal signs. No. No. 
the mutables, Pisces only. One day my prince will come energy. (laughs) (laughs) Leo, I think it is Leo for me. It's very like, I just love the most popular thing. Yeah. The most mainstream, easy kind of entertainment is like, yeah, this is good for me. (laughs) The opposite of Aquarius. Too cool for everything. They're like... This thing, this, this is mine. It's like, yeah, that belongs to literally every child and it's not yours. <laughs> oh my God, I love that read. Anyway. Yes, agreed. The upcoming astrology for the week. There's kind of a lot going on. This mm-hmm. Thanksgiving week mm-hmm. has some heavy, not heavy, but just a lot of movement, a lot of changes going on. Yeah. Today, as we mentioned in last week's episode, is the Mars Kazemi today friday the 17th so we're we're time traveling whatever's <laughs> happened has happened maybe something big maybe not um <laughs> i want to we talked about it last week in in our forecast just because it's kind of a big deal but um i guess something that i want to add to that yes just to refresh you the kazemi is when any of the personal planets this time it's mars are directly conjunct the sun. And Mm -hmm. what's happening there is they're being re-energized. They're being purified. They're being like cleansed and juiced up for their next circuit around the Zodiac Mm -hmm. until they meet the sun again. The Mars Kazemi is rather rare. It Mm -hmm. only happens every two years. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, yeah, it's, it's all the good things that we talked about before. It's like re- a renewal in, in certain ways of just Mar- Mars energy, uh, a, a strengthening of your resolve, a reinvigoration of your strength and power, whatever. But because it's happening in Scorpio, I would say also this is a place like think about Mars as something like the, the more traditional side of Mars is something that like, cuts or Mm -hmm. (laughs) severs or says no ends ends creates endings you know it's very proactive about the things it wants to start and end Mm -hmm. and so in scorpio um this next mars chapter this next mars cycle wherever scorpio lands in your chart i'd say that this would in addition to just feeling the the juice of of a really powerful mars Mm -hmm. transit it would be great to think about in a very scorpionic way, the things that want to be ended for your growth, for your Mars power inside of that house. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So for example, mine is in the fourth, my Scorpio is my fourth house. So it's like, what subconscious patterns, what like family inheritances, Mm. what relationships to family or whatever need to be cut or adjusted or, you know, taken action on for my growth. Mm -hmm. And you can just apply that any other place, but it's so powerful in Scorpio. It's in its home. So I'd say to make this last, to make this power last, dig, dig in deep. Mm-hmm. Use the Mars for surgery on yourself. Yeah. It's also just extremely energizing in a way that's very clear. Mm-hmm. It's also extremely horny. Yeah. <laughs> so, I Enjoy. mean, mine's in the fifth house. So it just so, feels yeah. like a good sexy Look out. party. <laughs> Use protection. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
this weekend is definitely kind of feeling the effects of Mars Kazemi after that happens on Friday today. On Monday, November 20th, the sun in Scorpio sextiles Pluto and Capricorn at 28 degrees. This is use your power for good. We're at the very end of Pluto and Capricorn. I know we say this and it, yeah. it feels like it lasts forever because it does, but it's a big deal. <laughs> so whenever the sun makes a positive aspect to it, sextile is very collaborative. It's like, okay, what can we do with this mess? It's really adding your individual powers, the mm -hmm. sun, the, the power of your self-expression to support the will of the collective. Mm -hmm. Good for political work, which obviously we need. We need so much. <laughs> March um, call, do it all. <laughs> and on a personal note, like, yeah, similar Pluto and Scorpio and Capricorn themes, like mm -hmm. great for some investigation below the surface of, mm -hmm. of matters, depending on where it falls your chart and yoga. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Wednesday, November 22nd, it's finally Sag season. <laughs> One of my favorite times of year. Yeah. Do you hear what I hear? <laughs> <laughs> Malia, the number one Christmas freak. Her powers are growing, just like Mariah Carey's powers grow as soon as no it hits November 1st. Yeah. Malia's the same. <laughs> I love Christmas. Not for any particularly religious reasons, just campy reasons. Um, the next day, though, because of, of Saturn's placement in Pisces at zero degrees, everything that goes th through Sag now is immediately squaring Pisces. So the next day, Thanksgiving, the sun in Sag squares Saturn and Pisces at zero degrees. And this is a little bit tense. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's just, it could make the holiday feel a little bit messy yeah like i mean thanksgiving is always right on the line because it's a drinking holiday and often you're breaking yeah. bread with extended family members that you may or may not um share anything in common with and this feels so much like a fight at the dinner table <laughs> yeah especially about politics yeah Just definitely like opinions on things yeah sag is very loud-mouthed and um <laughs> very opinionated yeah. and well, just it's hard. It's hard to to want to back down. But I'd say like the recipe for success here is to keep that Saturn side of this equation in mind and just uh, not necessarily to just keep your mouth shut when you know you're about to blow up your whole family dinner. But <laughs> consider that. Yeah. Um. But just remember to that you're just as accountable for the energy you're bringing into the space mm -hmm. as like your asshole family member. Yeah. Yeah. And if you didn't get absolutely hammered, that wouldn't be a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, Sag and Pisces both very Love prone. Love to drink. <laughs> Love to be drunk. Uh, the day after that, on Friday, November 24th, Mars enters Sagittarius. So again, Mars immediately squares Saturn and Pisces. This is more intense than the sun. Both of these instances think back to November 10th when Mercury squared Saturn. This was the first Sag placement that squared mm -hmm. Saturn. It was maybe a tense little argument or mm -hmm. some kind of detail felt like it wasn't working out. You felt the tension building. The sun and Mars will make it more pronounced. Yeah. You might still be staying at your parents' house. Yeah. <laughs> Just take it slow. It's very, you don't want to get in a drunk fight. No. And it's just like, 
it's a it's a hard it's hard especially for mars and sag to like be in any kind of confrontation with saturn Mm -hmm. it's so it's jupiter's baby it doesn't want any restrictions on its expression in any way or its movement but like this this might also feel pretty internal, like just a kind of frustrating or ambivalent day or just kind of that like inner push pull of like, I want to do something, anything like that mm-hmm. exuberance that Mars and Sag can have, which is so nice and so needed in all of the astrology we've had. I mean, mm-hmm. the Leo, the all everything in Leo era was so blighted by all the retrogrades and yeah. foolishness. So we need some like really nice we need a little Christmas right this very minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Christmas spirit. Yeah. But like, it's really bad for any, not a good day for any kind of big external action of any kind, but like more of an internal weighing of like, is the Saturn story I'm telling myself true? Like, am I being discouraged for a real reason or like a valid reason that I should consider? Like, am I being slowed down for a reason that is... I should really stop and consider or is this like a personal roadblock that I'm just feeling a little depressed and I need to kind of shake off. Mm -hmm. Saturn in Pisces has been challenging all the mutable placements for everyone, which the mutable desire is to go in a million different directions Mm -hmm. and try it all out, figure it out. And Saturn in Pisces is like, you got to pick one lane and Mm -hmm. slow down and focus Mars and Sag just exacerbates that feeling of I'm going to ride my sleigh across the world. (laughs) (laughs) Give everyone gifts. Yeah. Listen to our astrology of ADD episode. (laughs) It's very that. (laughs) And that's it for, for the upcoming week. Now on to the main event, our Q and a reader mail episode. This really filled my heart. Me too. Thank you everyone that wrote in. You know, this is just a labor of love and Mm -hmm. it makes us so happy to hear that you guys are loving it and you sent so many great questions that this is going to have to be a two-parter. Yeah, it was just so touching to have people reference the things we've been talking about, to be listening (laughs) and to be really curious about what we have to say about some of these things. So I'm, I'm just loving it. Yeah. Thank you. We love you. Let's jump in. Let's jump in. The first question is from Hannah in Portland, and she asked about synthesizing your big three, which if you don't know, I'm sure you know if you're listening to this pod what the big three are. (laughs) That's your sun, moon, and rising. She says, my big three placements contain what I feel are wildly different signs. Moon in Libra, sun in Capricorn, Sagittarius rising. How do I lean into being well-rounded rather than feeling chaotic slash torn between all the different parts of myself? How do I maintain harmony, pursue structure and success and chase my wildest dreams? Mm-hmm. Love this question. She already mentions the harmony of Libra moon, the structure and success of a cap sun and the wildest dreams of Sag <laughs> rising. What do you think, Kristen? I'd say like, this is the case for so many people and it's kind of the part of the magic of astrology. Like Mm -hmm. there are occasionally people where it's like, yes, like, you know, basically everything works in harmony together. (laughs) They're all in one sign or (laughs) they're all trying. They're all my sun, moon and rising are all like sextiling or trining each other. 
But I don't think that's the case for most people. And I think it makes for a more dynamic and exciting mm-hmm. life. Like the tensions are there for a damn good reason. And it's you, you're the one that is going to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be helped along by a lot of transits. <laughs> yeah. And the people that you meet. Who yeah. Have their own, own charts. I, I think that there are ways to address each of these separate placements to better understand what they do for you. You know, like our moon signs episode we talk is just so much about like the most basic self care. Mm -hmm. This is your baby self. This is the part that comes up when you're feeling out of it and insecure and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Your Libra is going to really want to make things nice. Yeah. (laughs) And of course, your Capricorn, that's like your ego, your your ideal self, self-expression. That's where you really need to. You can't neglect any of them. And the sun, when you neglect it, you're just not going to feel like your self, mm-hmm. your best self. And I think the rising is so important because it is so much about how you view the world and how people view you, that it is your connection point to everybody else. Yeah. You know, the rising sign is almost like one of the more sensitive and one of the more difficult placements to fully understand mm-hmm. because it's not so internal, but it becomes really important to understand your effect that you have on people or the way that you relate to the world because it will really help your sun and moon. Yeah. You told me this, but I think about it all the time now. But uh, the astrologer Stephen Forrest said that your rising sign is the stained glass window through which your sun shines. Mm -hmm. Um, Your moon, too, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'd argue. But yeah, I'd say that, like, that's exactly right. The answer is all three need to be nurtured Mm -hmm. and they'll move forward together. It's Mm -hmm. like it's hard to balance those opposite needs all the time, but that's truly what makes, what is going to, what makes you a hundred percent unique in your own person. You're going to figure out your own way to do it. You can't go wrong. No. Even though it just feels wrong sometimes. Yeah. Believe me. My cancer moon. (laughs) My cancer rising. Shut up. (laughs) Stop crying. (laughs) Thank you, Hannah. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Ella from New York has this big question about discovering that your birth time is not what you thought it was, which Mm. is a big deal. Um, So she says, so I was recently cleaning out my nightstands and discovered a photocopy of my birth certificate and the thing I've always feared happening happened. The birth time I've been using is 14 minutes off of what my birth certificate says. And then she gives her birth time here. How justified is my initial total panic upon this discovery? How much of an identity crisis do I need to be having right now? (laughs) Oh, well, you don't need to have an identity crisis. It this happened to me as an astrologer recently. What which was it happened during the pandemic? <gasps> I found out my time was like fifteen minutes off, which honestly did send me into an identity <laughs> crisis. <laughs> but do as we say, not as we do. <laughs> generally, fourteen minutes may or may not, but you're in a safer zone that it won't change your rising mm-hmm. sign the rising sign changes about every two hours. Yeah. So 14 minutes, unless you're right at the very end or the beginning of a sign won't change your rising sign. It could change your uh, 
planet's placements. And this, of course, depends. This is very technical, but depends on if you're using certain house systems. Mm-hmm. Placidus would Placidus. be the one that would change it. Yeah, yeah. But I think that what is important to remember is that if you resonated with something that happened before <laughs> that no longer is true in your chart, it doesn't mean that it's wrong and that astrology is all right messed up now and nothing's right. It's just another another layer of the onion. I mean, Dua Lipa just found out that she was not a Libra rising, but she was in fact a Gemini rising, which that's a wild. That's I mean, still air signs, but it's like you're a podcaster, girl. What do you What do you want to say? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> honestly, at certain points, I would be like at certain points in my life, I would be really fucking relieved if my chart was a little different. Um, but yeah, it's like if, if it if it changes your rising sign, that's a lot to process. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, a little house sign change here or there. It's not so bad. But it also, you know, like, to be fair, there are lots of people in the world who have no idea what their birth time is. It's kind of a privilege to have your birth time recorded. (laughs) Yeah, true. A lot of countries don't even do it. And so it has taught me that, of course, birth time is very important for the house determination and Mm -hmm. breakdown. But your placements of your planets in the signs and the aspects they make to each other are so, so important. And that doesn't really change in 14 minutes. Totally. All right. In a somewhat related question, Chris from Los Angeles asks, does having a C-section affect a child's astrology? If so, how? If not, why? Basically, the question is, you're determining your child's birth time, more or less, by Mm -hmm. having a C-section. It's a good question. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still kind of believe babies just come when they come. I I think that just the, the essential logic of having a rising, like the, basically the birth time, like we were just saying, determines the rising sign. It's the sign that's rising above the ecliptic. The moment you scream your little baby heart out as you come (laughs) into the world, it's your little astrological thumbprint, but that applies no matter how the baby comes out, you know, (laughs) you know, Astrology is still just a reflection of humans on Earth, however we do it. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there's a right way to live on Earth or not. Right. <laughs> or, come or to be Earth. born. Yeah. yeah. It's like there are interesting theories about how much the prevalence of C-sections has changed, like our whole collective nature, because C-sections are typically performed between like 9 and 5 p.m., mm-hmm. 9 a.m. and 5 p.m., and that tends to put people's sun, gives you a day chart, puts your sun maybe at the top of your chart, which is a very like prominent, I want to be public <laughs> yeah. kind of placement. And so there's theories that C-sections have produced all of these narcissistic <laughs> influence <family> horrors, <laughs> <laughs> Which, wow, maybe. <laughs> How many C-sections are there? Millions and millions and millions and millions? <laughs> They're very popular in Western medicine, unnecessarily so. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they have some kind of like true chart that's not, that doesn't exist because they weren't, you know, you didn't go into labor and (laughs) deliver vaginally. I know. I remember Megan Fox at one point posted about Machine Gun Kelly, like 
his mom saying he was premature and he should have been born a Gemini and how she was like, that makes so much sense. And it's no. like, no, that's that makes no bullshit. sense. <laughs> I don't believe in cusp. I don't believe like your due date is your true birth date. That- oh, oh, yeah. Why don't explain why cusps aren't real? <laughs> they just aren't. <laughs> it's well, like it's literally in a sign until it's not. Yeah, I mean, it gets to technical because like a lot of people's like first encounter with astrology is like looking at the date range or something Mm. on uh, in like a magazine Mm -hmm. (laughs) horoscope. And so some of those date ranges differ. I mean, they kind of alter a little bit throughout the day, throughout Mm -hmm. time, because Earth is wonky. So it really does depend on the time. Like you could be truly like a 29 degree, 59 minute sun sagittarius sun and you're still a sag you're anoretic as fuck which we'll talk about in another question you're a different kind of sag than you would be if you were maybe a maximal sag exactly (laughs) but i think the reason that so many people feel like cuspy is because so often you'll have sign you'll have personal planets that are in the following sign or the previous mm-hmm. sign, you know, that bring that energy into your life where it's just like, yeah, I growing up, I was always like Capricorn. Ew, like these guys, just all the little descriptions of them are like boring workaholic <laughs> losers. <laughs> no. And then it's like the Sag ones are like the life of the party. <laughs> and so, of course, that's not true. But, you know, I have a lot of planets in Sag. So yeah. it, it just explains it, it can be explained in a much more precise way when you actually look at your chart. Yeah. Anywho. Next question. Alistair from New York. What does it mean to have zero air signs in your entire chart? Mm, <laughs> and I can tell you. Yeah, Christian can tell you that one. <laughs> I'm in the same boat with you, my darling. Um, not a lick of air. And that's something that happens in little kind of like generational slices because there are times when all the outer planets are concentrated in different modalities like for the last couple years or or maybe like five years ago there could be another group of people that have no air signs um Mm -hmm. once again because at the very least i mean my husband has only uranus like that's his only fire sign placement in his whole chart so Mm. it kind of depends on when you're born that this can even be possible and then it depends on all of your personal planets too. But gosh, having an elemental deficit, I've felt very strongly in my life in many ways. And I'm sure that you do too. It's like a lack of air. Like I have no fucking chill whatsoever. I'm incredibly (laughs) passionate, super emotional, can't be detached, can't let things go. Like can't take a step back and look at things like I don't feel so strongly about ever. Like I don't have that like intellectual distance of anything. Um, but it just means that I surround myself with beautiful air sign people like my lovely Malia, who I'm looking at right now, my <laughs> husband, my little sister is a Gemini. Like I need, mm-hmm. I'm sure that this is the same. And this is kind of the truism for all people that have elemental imbalances. Like even if you have only, if you don't have nothing, but you only have like a little speck of like water or earth, we need these balances. And part of, part of that kind of comes 
or, or integrates or comes together through transits. Like we'll have like a big, like through mm-hmm. one of our empty air sign houses, we'll have a big planetary transit and that mm-hmm. will kind of draw in some of that element into our lives in a significant way. But mostly it's just through people, darling. I mean, especially with air. <laughs> Socialize. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also true that we have airy houses. Everyone has airy houses. So there, you could have things in the third, 11th or what the fuck? Seventh. Seventh, you got it. <laughs> third, 11th and 7th houses. Those are about our relationships to other people and our ideas and our communication. So if you have planets there, even if you don't, it still is affecting your being. But yeah, like Kristen says, it's useful to know what that element represents because it can show you how you can be better mm-hmm. balanced. And I think often unconsciously, you just attract those people into your life anyway to balance you out. Which yeah. Is the cute part of astrology. So cute. Um, Ellie from New York also asked about planets in their detriment or fall. She says, could you talk about planets being in their fall slash detriment? I have a hard time understanding how to regard or think about them, both in natal charts and in the context of being transited by other planets. I have Jupiter in the third house in Gemini. I could imagine cute or fruitful possibilities for that placement, but I'm always thrown off by the detriment label. Does this mean that planet just doesn't have as much power there? Are there ways to support or boost these placements? This is a very good question because these labels bother me a lot. Mm. I've had, I've taught a few beginner classes and I purposefully leave them out to start because people get very hung up on them meaning good or bad things. Yeah. This is definitely a remnant of medieval traditional astrology in which all the language was scary as fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very much like a dramatic kind of antiquated way of describing things. Mm-hmm. Every planet has a place where it's supposedly at its most fruitful expression, its exaltation, its detriment and fall are where it's a little bit more uncomfortable. And if it's in the sign that it already rules, it's in its domicile or its home. Mm-hmm. There are drawbacks and and positive things about all of these. Yeah. Placements. It's not necessarily just a great thing all the time to have a really an exalted or domicile no, planet. No, it's not. Yeah, like good luck listening to anyone else. <laughs> exactly. I've got a lot of them and it's just like, damn, similar to the air problem. Like, yeah, they're privileged placements. It's like, yeah, similar totally. to trines. It's like, yeah, they're good in theory, but it makes it very hard to even work with them because mm-hmm. they're so strong that you don't even challenge them yourself. So you don't get to know them that well sometimes until transits happen or people come along that challenge those. Yeah, I think creativity is, and I mean this really broadly, creatively expressing or pushing the boundaries of how a planet expresses itself like Jupiter, Mm -hmm. which is a creative planet, is it hinges on it being uncomfortable and having to Mm -hmm. find solutions. Completely, especially in Gemini. Yeah. It's got a hundred solutions. <laughs> yeah. It's got a hundred ideas, a hundred solutions. It just wants to go bigger and bigger and bigger. Like it's incredibly technical also in some ways where it's like the reason that um, Jupiter, they say Jupiter is challenged in Gemini is because it's opposite 
Sagittarius, which is Jupiter's home, you know? Mm-hmm. But like, similarly to what we were saying, Sag doesn't have all the answers. <laughs> thinks it does. It really thinks it does. And that's because Jupiter is so comfortable there. Yeah. Like, we need our Gemini and Jupiters to pick at the seams of all these hundred million ideas and like yeah. come up with something new, you know? Especially this placement, you know, like Sag, Jupiter and Sag can just tell the story, do the big thing and never have the details right. Yeah. Jupiter- doesn't care. <laughs> doesn't care. A Jupiter and Gemini can be super effective when it figures out how do I still do the big thing put the big idea out there and have all the ideas or all the details. How do I actually have all the information? It may take a little bit more work to do that than to just be a bunch of hot air, (laughs) but it's really useful. Yeah. So along these lines, if you have any planets in fall or detriment, I mean, they're similar to all the other, (laughs) I guess this is like the broad answer for all of the questions (laughs) is, it's there for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's there for a reason. It's there because we can't just have everyone being so, um, what's that? We can't have everyone being so like clear dog about everything. Yeah. You know? I know. I was like, we can't have everyone being like a blonde cheerleader. Yeah, completely not. Okay. Mimi from Los Angeles asks, about natal placements at critical and anaerobic degrees. Another great question. Uh, thoughts, Malia? <laughs> <laughs> the, well, just to define the critical and anaerobic degrees, the critical degree is when something is at zero degrees of a sign, and the anaerobic is when it's at the last degree, 29 degrees. There's 30 degrees well, 29 degrees of every 29 sign. point, like, yeah, <laughs> five, five, nine. Five. And then it goes to zero again. Basically, this has a little bit of like a planet at this placement having a new soul versus an old soul energy. This is a broad way of saying mm-hmm. it, but it's, it's zero degrees is very off to the races. It's still finding its stride. It's like, what the hell is this sign? What does it mean? I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. <laughs> And sometimes the qualities of the sign and planet get expressed in a, but it's almost like a more youthful but clumsy mm-hmm. way. It doesn't know where it is yet. Yeah. The anaerobic degree has been there for a long time. It's been running the race. It knows the route, but it's tired. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> has been running for a long time. There's a lot of wisdom here, but there can be a little bit of like, not closed mindedness, but just like, it needs to be moved on. It needs to be progressed. It's touched every single minute, every single degree of yeah. the entire sign. And it's learned all the lessons that that sign can give. Yeah. And so, yeah, that is a place of just like epitome, <laughs> like really just embodying that sign to the gills. <laughs> but yeah, those zero degree signs, we talked about that a ton on our It Girl episode. It's very yeah. It Girl signature to have zero degree personal placements for that reason. Because they're just like, I just decided to start wearing this skirt on my head. <laughs> and everyone's <laughs> like, oh, it's fabulous. You know, just like looking at things in just like a completely new and different way. Yeah. Yeah. It's always helpful to be really mindful of what a 
burned out version of that sign looks like mm -hmm. what its tendencies are when it's burned out because that might be a little bit more of an anoretic placements it can get there much faster. So just being aware, like, oh, this is happening. I'm getting impatient or I'm getting um, completely lost and confused, mm -hmm. depending on the sign. And for the, the critical degree, just being aware of what the expressions of that sign can be when you're not self-aware. Yeah. <laughs> when you're not aware, when you're not really thinking in a mindful way. Great advice. All right. So this is question is a little bit of a, we bundled up several questions. We had a few people ask about stelliums. Anya, Mallory, and Emma all asked about stelliums. What are stelliums? <laughs> Depends on who you ask a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but in general, a stellium describes a group of planets all together in the same sign or house. Mm -hmm. And some say three planets and they have to be personal planets mm -hmm. and some say four planets. But I think that in practice and even some of them, it's like, you kind of know it when you see it, you know, mm -hmm. where it's just like, if you just have like outer planets in your, in, and maybe one personal planet, like in this, in the way that celliums function, it just puts, such a huge focus of your life in whatever house and sign they occupy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they stretch across one sign or house, but all the planets are conjunct. So it's like, it's a, a loose rule is let's say three or four planets um, or an angle in a house or a sign. Yeah. I'm not the first to say this, but a good analogy for it is if you think of the chart as a circular dinner table. Mm -hmm. Your stellium is this little clique of people that are talking <laughs> amongst themselves. They're not talking to everybody else. They're, it has a clicky energy to it in that the planets within the stellium have a hard time individuating. Yeah. They don't know how to express themselves on their own, except in this little tribe of, of planets. And so that can be very super powered and having all that kind of your little army mm -hmm. of planets there. And it can also be kind of overwhelming. It's like, right. When you need your Venus to just be a Venus, it's crowded by the opinions of your <laughs> Uranus and Saturn. Yeah. It is really a common placement I see amongst people who are like, working artists or creatives or chefs or like anybody who is obsessive. It gives almost a little bit of a fixed sign yeah. tone or something. But yeah, if they're all conjoined with each other, it can also be hard to just hear the other planets in your mm -hmm. chart. Um, because it's when you talk to one, when you engage one planet in the stellium, you engage them all. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it does make people that like fix that, like um, that intensity of focus in this mm -hmm. one part of your life can create very intense results or very like powerful results mm -hmm. in that part of your life. Like you're not pulled in seven different directions by having like a really splayed out or, you know, spread out chart. You're mm -hmm. very, very focused. You're, you're geared towards this one area and yeah. all the benefits and challenges that come with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can produce incredible results and it can make things feel very unbalanced. Totally. It's, it's always 
you know, whenever you have a transit that opposes that stellium, oh, Nelly. that's a challenge to bring the balance back into your life, to stop being so obsessed <laughs> with whatever the stellium represents to you. It really depends on the house and the sign and all of that. The way that they're bunched together when transits hit them, it's going to be a more pronounced moment. It might be a little bit more of like a seesaw experience through life than just having one transit hit one planet. Mm -hmm. It's like those transits are going to evolve multiple planets at once. It's like a daisy chain effect. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's going to be a little bit more intense when you have certain aspects in, in good or hard ways. Mm-hmm. So that's another important thing to remember. Anya has a stellium between the seventh and eighth houses. In Placidus. In, in Placidus. And Emma has a stellium in the seventh. Both of these are very much about relationships and how you collaborate or relate with other people. Mm -hmm. How vulnerable you are with them, what you share with them. But I guess my rule always with the seventh house is that partnerships, your partners or the people that you collaborate with in professional ways even, or your closest friends are going to show you a lot about yourself by way of reflecting. Mm -hmm. And they may not be as conscious as you want it to be. Right. <laughs> it may just be that they are really intense and you're like, oh, maybe I'm intense. Because <laughs> <laughs> they keep drawing in these intense people. Yeah, and with uh, Anya's that kind of goes into the eighth house too, I feel like the extra element on top of that is going to be collaboration. Like mm -hmm. the product of that relationship is also going to be really important for your self-development or your self-actualization mm -hmm. um, and to get in touch with the planets that are involved there. Like it's less, the, the reflective process is part of it. And then doing something with it is great too. Like mm -hmm. ve it's very like start a business with your friends vibes <laughs> or start a business with your partner or start yeah. a business, start, start a business. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <It's> good. Capricorn advice. Right, start, a start a business now. <laughs> Make it an S corp. Um, <laughs> For better tax benefits. Um, yeah, I, I'd say that there's just kind of more like also and when it goes, when it bridges over to different houses like that, where it's just like both, both need both. Um, similarly, Mallory has a ninth and 10th house stellium that kind of crosses over there, mm -hmm. um, which I'd say has a similar kind of like start a business <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not always like start a business, it's not so entrepreneurial. I mean, truth be told, like the fifth house is really so like entrepreneur energy, yeah. but it's like the ninth house, some keywords. It's the house of your values. It's the house of your f beliefs and mm -hmm. faith and like your worldview. 
and your uh, a thirst for knowledge, expanded knowledge, like going outside yourself to discover the world and like learn new things and vacuum those up in your brain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, The message you want to spread. Yeah, exactly. Your message. And then crossing into the 10th house that has that has like a more official capacity of that Mm -hmm. where it's just like, yeah, I am. What's a good example? Uh, (laughs) No. It's like very like the ethos section of any band's website. <laughs> Especially because I mean she does have it between Capricorn and Aquarius. Yeah. So it's very like <laughs> true manifesto into but like turning formalizing that and like making that something that's like very official about your your outer appearance, your world, your job, like in career, you know, mm-hmm. turning those values into something manifest in the same way that like the other, the seventh and eighth house relationship is turning your relationships into something manifest or mm-hmm. doing an extra level of work on them, excavating them, collaborating with them. <laughs> I love that. Yes. I think that's very true. I think it's just, you have a little army to do a lot of work in those parts of your charts. You know, whenever I'm thinking about the chart, I think of myself sitting right in the middle of it. (laughs) And it's like, you have to be aware that if you have a ton of weight on one side of the table, it may tip it over. Mm -hmm. You are always going to want to look at the opposite side to just give it some perspective. It can help when you feel stuck. It can help when you feel overwhelmed. It can help when you feel obsessed mm-hmm. <laughs> to like, you know, if, if Mallory with your Capricorn Aquarius stellium, that you look at the cancer Leo sides of things that might be a little bit more about like, what is your personal artistic vision? What are your feelings? Because you have all this energy towards structuring community around what you really believe and expanding your your ideas for people and like working for people that you'll you'll always need to come back to what's important to you so you don't get lost. Mm-hmm. Sorry, true. Um, dark in Manhattan. This is <laughs> we love that. Seattle. Yes. I I want some kind of phrase like this um dark in manhattan asked i recently discovered i was born on a new moon solar eclipse in pisces shivers (laughs) what does it all mean okay jesus (laughs) (laughs) very potent energy to be born on an eclipse i mean it's just as we've seen with eclipses it's potent it's Mm -hmm. it's a little bit wild and erratic i from the little bit of study of like people with eclipse charts, it just really seems like the way that eclipses can bring our own moons or our own kind of like personal purpose and emotional purpose to a collective moment. There's a way your, your chart is always geared towards that. It seems like that. Yeah. You may always want to feel connected to some kind of collective purpose because your identity is kind of, tied up in the collective experience. Absolutely. Yeah, it's intense. I mean, like, you are eclipses are are uh, eclipse birth charts are, as we're learning, because astrology podcast has been doing a ton of very intense research Mm -hmm. episodes about people with born under eclipses. And we summarize some of those with the royal family. Um, Mm. But yeah, these these are 
pretty consequential people. That's not to say that you're going to be the president necessarily. <laughs> um, unless, uh, Marianne Williamson, is that you? <laughs> Amazing. Um, JK. Uh, but yeah, it's like, these are pretty consequential people and the nodes been thinking so much about the nodes lately. Obviously we're just out of eclipse season and it's never a bad time to completely revisit the nodes, mm-hmm. what the fuck they are, why they matter, what they're doing to us. They have mm-hmm. their own spooky, but very consequential magic in our lives that has, that's a little bit slippery or like it's undeniable, but it's also undefinable. Yeah. Uncomfortable Unco- and very uncomfortable. But like, it's important to remember that the nodes are the nodes of the moon that reflects like your inner (laughs) world. It's the moon and the sun. Mm -hmm. Um, And with the new moon eclipse, they are right on top of each other, right on top of the nodes. So, well, especially, you know, I think on a personal experience for someone like this, I can't say because I don't have this, but I'm, I'm going to take a guess that When you are born on a solar eclipse, your sun, which is so much about how you understand yourself as an individual, is eclipsed. It's Mm -hmm. it's hard to access it. It just has gone dark Yeah, on the moment you were born, which can feel like sometimes a little confusing or disorienting or like your purpose doesn't make sense in the way that everyone else is like, well, this is what Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. And I think it's so important to pay attention to eclipse seasons because those tend to be very significant for people who are born on eclipses. It is They really progress everything about your chart. Yeah. But in the same way that eclipses have been historically significant to everyone on Earth, <laughs> you probably have some role to play that is really kind of disruptive or innovative or interesting in a way that may not feel entirely personal, but Mm -hmm. makes you very connected to everyone around you. All right. So our last question of part one of our Q and A's comes from Melanie and she says, my question is primarily one of the heart. Last spring, my relationship of seven years ended. It shattered me completely, among with other life changes. Though I am recovering, I still find it difficult to be alone, and I hate being focused on myself. Is there anything in my chart that could ha- that can help me lean into being more satisfied in independence, or should I just go out and date again? <laughs> I get the power of independence, but my heart feels sore. Oh. I'm sorry. Yeah. That sucks. We've all been there and it's hard. It's fucking hard. <laughs> Melanie is a sixth house Virgo sun with a spicy Aries rising and a moon in Gemini in the third house. Love it. I love an Aries rising, just putting everything in its right place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All the houses are lined right up. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a lot of Leo in your chart, and this summer must not have been fun. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't fun for anyone, but goddamn. No, God, that must have felt like if you were trying to date this summer, it did not go well. Yeah, totally. Or you didn't Pretty feel demoralizing like it at all. for all things Leo this summer. Yeah. And she's got uh, Jupiter, Venus, and Mercury all up in there, just as a little aside. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's so important to recognize that, Melanie, you have an Aries rising, the most independent sign <laughs> of all, and your Mars, which is your chart ruler, is exactly opposite <laughs> on your descendant. There's just so much in your chart that has to do with you are inherently supposed to understand your independence through your relationships. So I completely understand how hard it could feel or the tension yeah. you could feel between wanting to be in relationship and wanting to figure out how, how to be independent. And I just want to validate that your Mars is under a lot of stress. The South node is on your Mars or it's in the same sign as your Mars. Yes. South node really. It's, her, her Mars just for those of you listening at home is at zero degrees. So yeah, that will be the last thing essentially that the South mm -hmm. node will hit uh, before moving on over to Virgo. Yeah. The South node just takes a lot of juice out of what normally works there. Mm -hmm. So if you feel like, you just can't get on solid footing around relationships. It's pretty normal for what your transits are right now. Yeah. Um, and I'd say that just reiterating that the, the ambivalence between, you know, being independent <laughs> and being <laughs> in relationships just exists very strongly in your chart in other ways. Like you have a sixth house Virgo son. That's Virgo in her home house of service. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's hard to feel, um, even though you are such an Aries rising little whippersnapper with mm -hmm. so much Leo in your chart at the same time with your son there, it can be a little bit hard to feel like unless you're serving or in, re in relation, like it's hard to find that like solar individual purpose um, without interaction with some level of service mm -hmm. <laughs> to another. And that's a beautiful thing. It's, it hurts now because your, your heart is sore and mm -hmm. we're just sending you so much love and fucking natural wine. And <laughs> I was going to say too. Yeah. Pluto is has been dancing on your Saturn. It will be next year. And that will trine your Mars, which of course Mars is the planet of independence and your fiery personal drives and needs. And Pluto trine Mars is really powerful. Mm -hmm. It's like turning the volume all the way up in a way that feels so authentic and so real. And Pluto in the in the 11th house may change a lot about your friendships, the groups that you're part of, the community you're part of, but the people that you start to surround yourself with, the people that may actually start seeing a new side of you that you didn't know was there could be extremely empowering yeah. for that spirit of independence and change your relationships for good. Yeah. And it's really, it is animating this very powerful interaction that's baked into your natal chart, which is Saturn at one degree of Aquarius trining Mars at zero degrees of Libra, like Mars in Libra in the seventh house. Yeah. It's super relational. Mars has a little bit of a tricky time there because Mars doesn't want to be relational. Mars <laughs> wants to do whatever it wants. Mars mm -hmm. wants to like just be super independent. Mm -hmm. But having that in a supportive, flowing relationship with Saturn in the 11th house, it's mm -hmm. truly just like 
your friends, your like your crew, the people that are in your life are going to be so supportive for your growth as like an individual and inside of like mm-hmm. it supports both sides of it. It gives some boundaries to the Libran tendencies that can be a little bit too mm, codependent or <laughs> what's yours is mine and mine is yours. <laughs> like it puts some like structure and body to that and puts yeah. it in context of community. So I'd also say, yeah, your, your, your people, your community, your groups, they're going to be so important. Um, especially with Pluto about to like do his thing in your 11th house, but Mm -hmm. it's animating such an important interaction inside of your chart that will definitely make you feel the extremes of both of these things that you're Mm -hmm. feeling in terms of just like, I don't want to be independent and I do want to be independent or like, it's hard. It's both are hard, but I think, you know, you, you're, your seventh and eighth houses having to do with partnership and relationships have been undergoing a lot of stress, especially the past six months or so. Mm-hmm. But Pluto trining your Mars, Jupiter will eventually hit your moon. I think really, really lean into your friends, your social circle, your community, your neighborhood, <laughs> like just meet a lot of people because that's probably how you're going to meet someone romantic completely in some kind of romantic partnership. It just feels like there's a lot of power there. Love it. And f- feel better, babes. <laughs> feel better. Um, so this is the end of part one of our reader mail app. Thank you again for sending things in. And I have a little something to ask of you all. And that is, let, let me be vulnerable with you for a second. <laughs> As you've been vulnerable with us. Yeah. We would really love it if you would march your cute little selves onto Apple and give us a five-star rating and a review. Mm-hmm. We want this podcast to get to more people like you because imagine how cool it would be if there were some kind of community space in the future where we could all just talk about astrology until we freaked out. Um. (laughs) Yeah. You can do it on Spotify. You can subscribe. That's another great way to do it. It just helps a lot with getting us out of the huge overwhelming algorithm of podcasts and our psychics are saying we're hard to find. Yeah. So So, please, (laughs) I don't want this to come up for it in another psychic session. Uh, We love you. We love you. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Club Cosmos radio is created by Kristen Stegemoller and Malia Croy. Follow us on Instagram at Club Cosmos Radio and send your burning astrology questions and hot topics to us at clubcosmosradio at gmail.com.